Good morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Ah, some of you know that. <clears throat> this is my very first sunrise service, believe it or not. Ministry for over 30 years. And uh, my first experience with an actual or leading or participating in an actual sunrise service. So I am, I am under... Uh, directions to be done by seven, which is good for all of us. We will not freeze. But I'd like to take a walk with you uh, through uh, a few things. Um, some people have called it Stations of the Cross. Some people have called it Road to Resurrection. Uh, but I'd like to just kind of uh, be your uh, guide as we go through uh, a few things this morning. In the beginning, God created. He created all things, but he created humans, a special creation, his masterpiece. Only we are created in his image, and God desires an intimate relationship with each one of us. He wants what is best for us, and he knows what is best for us. That relationship in conjunction with obedience resulted in perfection. It was good the scriptures say. Yet through the deceiver, man believed the lie that God was holding out on him, that God didn't want what was best for him, that God could not be trusted. So man desired to become like God and rebelled in sin. It was all based in man's selfishness, self-reliance, and lack of trust. Sin wrecked man's relationship with God. So much so that nothing man can do, no amount of good can restore that relationship with God. Humans are sinful and selfish to the core. Their only hope was that God would intervene. And out of his love for us, he did. Let's move ahead about 4,000 years. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the humanity of Jesus is shown greater here than anywhere else in Scripture. He's asking the Father that this cup or this responsibility may be taken from him. Yet he's also in complete surrender and submission to the Father. Soon after, he is betrayed by Judas. Think about betrayal. It's the most painful of woundings, is it not? A betrayal by a friend. Yet Judas betrays Jesus. I can't imagine Jesus knowing he was going to be betrayed, anticipating the betrayal. So he's arrested and he's led before a Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. And it, in this scriptural account, it seems as though Pilate is in charge of everything. But even though Jesus is bound and beaten and wounded, he is in total control of the situation. While he is being tried... He is denied 
by Peter. Once again, a form of betrayal, a denial. Our friends have the ability to hurt us the most. Jesus is abandoned by Peter. I don't know him, he says three different times. And Peter's one of the inner circle. He, with James and John, has been the closest to Jesus. I don't know him. I don't know the man. Ever forgiving, Jesus later gives Peter the opportunity to be reconciled. And then he is led to Golgotha and nailed to the cross. And he's nailed to the cross because God's justice cannot allow sin to go unpunished. If sin is not punished, then God is not just. According to his character and identity, God cannot just say never mind to sin. Sin demands a blood sacrifice. God's wrath must be poured out on sin. Someone must pay, and God follows God's own rules. Jesus, the sinless, sacrificial lamb, takes the weight of everyone's sin upon himself. An unbelievable burden. In the midst of the physical pain, I think this is the thing that for me makes the most impact. I can't imagine the sins of the world placed upon one man and the suffering that that would cause. Excruciating suffering. Even his own father turning his back on him for a moment because of the sin. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then finally, it is finished, he says, as he hangs on the cross. The great veil of the temple is torn in two from top to bottom, revealing the sacred holy of holies. This is significant. The separation between God and man is no longer. We can come into his presence freely. Keep in mind, Jesus is not saying with the it is finished comment that my life is over. He's not saying that. The Greek word is tetelestai. And the interesting thing about this is it's a banking term. It is a finance term that he, that he utters. And it means paid in full. All that has, been, has to be done for people to be saved has been done. It is paid in full. And only through placing our hope and trust in Christ's finished work on the cross can we be saved. And then the body of Jesus is taken to a tomb and placed in it. And people go away. To everyone involved and from every perspective, when you think about it, it seems like things are over. The Jewish religious leaders believe they have eliminated their problem. This Jesus had threatened their power over the people, the one who has called them out so often, embarrassed them in front of the people, referred to them as hypocrites and snakes, has been eliminated. 
The Romans believe they have eliminated a possible source of division and rebellion. They can have no uprising. The Pax Romana or Roman peace must be maintained at all costs. They have pacified the Jews by simply killing one man. What is one man? They have killed thousands. Jesus' disciples even think the movement is over. Some of them even go back to fishing. Even Satan most likely believes he has won. He has brought down the Son of God. But he's a lie. Sin has been paid for. Death has been conquered. He has risen. According to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 23, Paul writes this inspiring passage, and he's actually kind of arguing with some people in the Corinthian church who had a kind of a skewed view of the resurrection of, of Christ and of men. So Paul writes, But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ himself has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith, is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. It is the resurrection and not his death that confirms that Jesus Christ is God. Many have died for what they believed. Only one has risen. He is risen. Once again, our only hope is to place our belief, faith, and trust in Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Jesus died for your sin. He died for mine. And as the apostles in Scripture begged those to turn from their sin, we do the same. Surrender to Him. Turn from your sin. Accept that gift and the forgiveness 
that comes with it. Then, through the Holy Spirit that will dwell in you, live for him in humility and obedience and tell others about what he's done for you. He is risen. Pray with me, if you will. Lord God, we come before you and we thank you that we can be here in the morning in a sunrise service. And we don't know what that morning was like when those women went to the tomb. It may have been cold. It may not have been this cold. We don't know, Lord. But what a morning it was. We are so thankful that we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is everything we are about. If we say we follow Jesus, you made a way. We could do nothing. We were powerless, and you made a way through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that, Lord. We acknowledge that this morning. And I do pray that if anyone is here and they, they, they have not that relationship, what an opportunity it would be on an Easter morning to surrender their life to Christ. I pray that they would. I pray that they would speak with someone about how they might uh, do that, even this morning. What a wonderful thing that would be. Lord, we honor you, we praise you, we thank you. And I pray that just the sense of joy that they realized when they understood that Jesus rose from the dead, just some bit of that would be with us this morning. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. Hope we have not kept you too long out in the cold, but I am looking forward to a breakfast and uh, more services at 9 and 11. So once again, that concludes our sunrise service. I wish we could see the sun, but we, uh, we have some clouds this morning, but it's up there. I told somebody that, you know, just because we can't see it, it's risen. <laughs> it's up there.